Welcome back, everyone, to A World of You. As always, my name is Hayden, and it's been a little while. And depending on how I've, you know, produced this or uh, however I've laid it out, you'll know why I've been away. And if I haven't shared that yet, uh, hold on, the episode's coming. But uh, regardless, it's been a little while since I interviewed, so please, please go easy on me today. Um, and what we're going to talk about today is something that I can't really speak to. So today, this episode is going to be kind of a full interview uh, about the topic. So without further ado, today we welcome a good friend of mine, Carolyn Lively. She's actually oh, <laughs> she is actually the host of her own show called uh, Back to Us. Uh, Carolyn, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. Um, so you're in Nova Scotia now, aren't you? Or is it New Brunswick? Actually, New Brunswick. Yeah. Nice. So how's the how's the winter been out there? Very cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's currently like minus 20 or something like that. So that's oh, how it's been out here. Yeah, it's been a little rough, but that's okay. Lots of time for reflection, <laughs> that kind of a thing. So, so yeah. Nice. So um, what we're going to talk about today is actually kind of what your show is about. Um, so do you mind just telling us a little bit about it? Yeah, of course. So um, I actually grew up in a very strict uh, evangelical household. Um, do you know what I mean by evangelical when I use that word? Uh, like maybe expand on that just a little bit. So very, very conservative Christian, okay. uh, like Baptist. I don't know if any of your listeners are um, familiar with like the Westboro, Westboro Baptist. That's a little further than what I experienced personally, but I was sort of, um, our belief system was on that trajectory. So for example, there was a lot of inherent, um, I didn't realize this at the time because I didn't have the understanding to realize this, but there was a lot of harm in the teachings uh, that I grew up with, but it was all I knew literally from, you know, being a baby. I don't remember a time where there wasn't this uh, super duper Christian evangelical ideology put onto me. And, um, and I say it in my show too, I don't blame my parents for it because they thought it was the best thing to do. Um, like according to them, it'd be like you teach your kids the numbers and the colors and Jesus died for your sins. So it was very just ingrained into the environment I grew up in. So um, basically I had to sort of find my way out of that. And it took until I was probably about 20 and I'm 35 now. Um, till I realized that that belief system just wasn't doing it for me anymore. Um, but I didn't really see or understand the harm and the trauma that was caused by those beliefs. Um, I think I wasn't really ready to see or understand those things. So instead of really getting into that and sort of trying to figure out what exactly went wrong, or maybe even how I perpetuated a lot of the harm and those ideas, I just sort of split, found new friends, quit, and it wasn't until very recently that I realized just how harmful and cult adjacent actually that belief system truly was. Um, so I started my podcast because I felt like it was really important to share not just my story, but the stories of other people as well who, um, who were inundated and indoctrinated in these belief systems um, because they do cause harm in my opinion. Um, so what I thought was really interesting, though, was I actually went from evangelicalism into spirituality, which I 
originally was very attracted to because it seemed so open and beautiful and it was really intriguing. There was different modalities, but what I didn't realize was there actually can be inherent harm in spirituality as well. I'm not saying everybody, I'm not saying across the board for sure, but um, it's sort of like once you see something, you can't unsee it. And I started to see patterns that reminded me remarkably of being in the evangelical church again. And I just kind of went like, whoa, I need to step back and really just reevaluate sort of how I've been, just the things I've been participating in and the, the sort of ideas I've had. And um, I just really need to sort of peel it all back and start over. And so that's kind of where I'm at now with it, to be honest. Wow. That's, that seems like a, quite a journey that you've been on. Um, when, when you said, you said you saw things that kind of reminded you of the, the way that there was harm in, uh, in your, your religious background mm -hmm. that you saw similarities in spirituality. Like, can you like, tell us what some of those things might've been that just caught your mind? Yeah, for sure. Um, actually one of the, so I should probably go back a little bit. Um, what sort of sparked my realizing how harmful the evangelicalism was, was I was watching a documentary about a group called Nexium. I don't know if you've heard of Nexium before. Um, super weird. Like um, your listeners might've heard of it before. Um, the sort of ringmaster Keith Ranieri, he's in jail now. Like there's been a lot of illegal stuff. So I was just kind of intrigued by that. So I started watching, um, actually it was a mini series about Nexium. And I started to see the similarities sort of between evangelicalism and this group. So I kind of had to take a minute and I was like, a lot of this trauma and a lot of this sort of group think was inherently in evangelicalism as well. But then I sort of got to thinking like, where else have I heard some of these sort of ideas? And sort of, so in my opinion, I think what spirituality sometimes um, perpetuates, again, not across the board, but sometimes is sort of this idea of like superiority or escapism. Um, and that was one of the things that uh, Keith, Keith Ranieri in Nexium, like there was, there was a lot messed up there, I should say, like, I shouldn't even really compare the two, but I just sort of noticed some similarities there. Um, but basically their kind of view was like, this is how we do things. Um, if you don't agree with it, it, if it doesn't work for you, it's your fault. Um, there's a lot of like victim blaming. So I think the first thing that I really noticed consistent with evangelicalism and with sort of new age spirituality was the idea of victim blaming. Um, so like, for example, the people in this group, if they felt overworked or they felt like a concept didn't work for them, the answer was always, well, you're not trying hard enough. Um, you know, you just don't, you just don't understand and you need to under, you need to do better. You need to spend more time with such and such person or whatever. And honestly, in spirituality, I noticed that a lot too, with this idea of like the law of attraction, vibrational frequency, that kind of a thing. Um, sometimes it seems like it gets to the point where we're blaming people for the bad, bad quote, things that happen to them or the challenging things that happen to them. And I just feel like that can be really dangerous and it can lead to us kind of separating ourselves from quote, unfortunate people or from people who are what we would consider to not be woke or if that makes any sense at all. 
So it's sort of like, I don't love a slippery slope argument, but it sort of, to me, seems like it can really be a slippery slope where it starts with this nice idea of like, let's attract good things, you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. But it can also just get to the point where people are kind of blaming themselves for some sometimes truly awful things that happen to them. And um, that happened in evangelicalism as well. You know, if, if the belief system didn't work for you, it was your fault. You weren't trying hard enough. You weren't praying enough. Um, so yeah, I just felt like that again, it's not everywhere, but do you see how it can sort of get to that? It can sort of be on that traje- trajectory to get there. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I, th- I can see that in some way, uh, like toxic positivity, I guess, could be a good example, right? Like, you know, people are like, oh, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You just have to think positive and be positive and everything's going to turn out okay. And like that, that you, you are just ignoring the problem. You're not, you're not dealing with Mm. the stuff. And I, I can see how that would be, that, that can be very dangerous because like you said, it's a slippery slope. And, and if you don't, you know, if you, if you choose to ignore certain things and say that it's kind of victim blame, like you were saying, it, it can be a a really dangerous thing to get involved in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's sort of what I, what I was thinking too. And also the, one of the things I really saw that was prevalent sort of in that same, um, in that same vein was with Christianity and evangelicalism, you're always deferring to something else. So for example, if you don't want to be in a relationship, you just say, oh, well, God doesn't want us to be together. You know, instead of just saying like, hey, I don't want to be in this relationship, just using that as, because that's an example I saw a lot of when I was in the church. There would always be people at Christian camp calling their boy, boyfriends or girlfriends at home. Really, the reason was they found someone they liked better at summer camp, but they would say, oh, God, <laughs> God spoke to me and, and doesn't want us to, doesn't want us to be together anymore. So, you know, that kind of happens on other levels too. And it can be, that that can just be everywhere or even just something as simple as saying like i feel calling to do xyz i feel calling to go to this country like i think for me it was really important to switch that language around and instead of sort of deferring to a higher power saying oh i'm meant to do this because source or god or whatever wants me to do this just to say no i want to i want to go here cuz i want to go here or i want to be with this person cuz i want to be with this person And I think having grown up in an environment that was not very empowering, just switching that language was very important. And um, so that, that was what I, I feel like that, like not to look down on anyone that wants to say that they're feel called for something to something or that they, um, because I know that that can be a beautiful thing as well to feel like we're part of something bigger um, and that kind of a thing. But I just noticed there's always this deferring to, to something else instead of taking accountability for what we actually truly want. And um, yeah, and that can be harmful too, because, well, I'm gonna use an example of when I was in the church, it always felt like you were supposed to be out of your comfort zone. And that can set you up for like situations where you're being abused. So if somebody who is in a higher authority wants to take advantage of you, all they need to do really is say like, oh God, God spoke to me and God wants, God, God wants us to do this. God wants you to spend extra time with me, you know, that kind of thing. And because technically God wants us out of our comfort zone, we'll ignore our feelings of like, this feels icky. I don't want to be here, that kind of thing. Um, And I don't see that as much, particularly in spirituality. Um, 
I really feel like, and this is my opinion, that evangelical Christianity in particular um, has a really bad track record for abuse and perpetuating abuse. Um, But this whole deferral to a higher power, I think, can really like take away our, just take away how in touch we are with ourselves and what we want. And um, again, that's not across the board, but it's just something I see as kind of a, a trend and something I've heard kind of other people um, speak about as well. And you mentioned there about like the whole uh, higher power and, and not doing things because you want to, but because God or source or whatever is telling you that's what you want to do or you're meant to do. Immediately, I thought about how many people go through their lives, myself included. I, I can I can say I'm victim to this too, um, of wanting to like, search for like what you're meant to do like we're we're, Mm -hmm. we as people are obsessed with finding out the core reason that we are we are put on this planet as if like there is some divine writing on the wall that that tells you this is what your whole reason for being here is instead of just literally going and and doing things that you want to do because that's what you want to do right like and and i think I've never looked at it that way until we just started talking about this, but it's, it is, it's a lot of people. And like you say, maybe it's not across the board, but a lot of spirituality in that sense has this understanding of uh, that. There's a, there's a deeper reason for you doing something and your everyday life doesn't matter because there's a deeper, Mm -hmm. deeper calling to you. And, and you have to find that because that's what your life goal is. And, and it's, it's, it can be toxic because you can become obsessed with trying to figure this out that it actually destroys your life. Oh yeah. And I've been there too. I should add that I've done all the things that I'm, that I'm being salty about. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm, I'm um, not, I'm not exempt at all. I've caught myself falling into this stuff. Like you said, just kind of waiting for a, a grand purpose to kind of pop up and realizing that, you know, I haven't been taking action to do things I want to do just because I'm, Oh, is that the right thing? I haven't gotten enough signs when really I'm just maybe scared to step out there and do it kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if I'm being totally honest, that is why I took uh, such a prolonged uh, time away from uh, a world of you was because I got so obsessed with, with it being a purpose and, and, and becoming something that I became focused on how many people were engaging in it and Mm -hmm. all the numbers and, and making it like, Oh, why isn't it becoming this huge thing? You know, people told me it's going to become a big thing. And I became so obsessed with what it was supposed to become and what I, I had this picture of it being my, my true purpose that I I completely lost interest in it. And it just Mm kind of killed the inspiration to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I've been there that um, I've been that same place down that same road with my own podcast as well and I you get so preoccupied with like is this is this what's supposed to happen and then you forget like hey maybe I'm supposed to have fun with this (laughs) like maybe this is just supposed to be something I do because well I do feel like it for me my show I hope serves a sort of bigger purpose just because I feel like I was complicit in a lot of the harm that evangelicalism did the least I can do is to either get my story out there get other people's stories out there um you know, so I feel like there is a sort of not grand purpose as in like, God said, this is my purpose kind of a thing. But like, I feel like 
hopefully I'm doing some good there, but also it is just something that I truly enjoy. Um, and I try to always remember that when I'm recording something too, because like you said, you can get totally lost in the weeds with like numbers and engagement. And is this good enough? Like I drag my feet every time I record an episode, I take forever editing it partially due to ADHD, <laughs> which is a beast, but also I can blame that too. I can defer to that and be like, oh, I'm neurodivergent. So it just takes me longer to do things, which yes, but also I have to take ownership and accountability and actually do the things too. So it can really, that can kind of work in many different ways, but uh, absolutely. And you you mentioned editing. I, I remember when the first, the last couple episodes that I recorded last year, uh, I absolutely hated recording. I despised recording. I said, I would rather just edit instead of record. And then I got through and recorded and then I was doing the editing and I was like, oh my God, I hate Hate editing. editing, (laughs) I wish all I had to do was record. And it was just because I was so afraid of it not being good enough and and becoming this grand thing that like, I just didn't want to do it because it wasn't fun anymore. You know what I mean? For sure. And I I did that a lot with when I was doing uh, film and TV stuff, I would complain all the time about not getting auditions, like I'm not getting them. And then I get the audition and then I've complained about having to do the audition um, and having to record it, having to edit it, all that. Like I would just be complaining every step of the way. And I realized it was because I was so scared of it. Like you said, like not being good. Um, I was just, I ended up being afraid of other people seeing it. And that was a whole other thing. But um, yeah, you always think like, try to kick the can down the road and you realize like, oh, maybe I have some things to work through. (laughs) Yeah. And I know a lot of people um, have religious trauma, uh, because Christianity and, and Catholic religion, I'm going to put in there because that like, they kind of are one and the same. Um, there's so much religious trauma, like throughout the globe, like there are atrocities that are still going on that we're still finding out about. Mm-hmm. Um, how, in your opinion, how can we kind of like correct this? How can we start the healing process and, and allow people to start encouraging them to talk about everything that they've been through you mean specifically with with dealing with religious trauma yeah yeah i mean that's it's huge it's 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 such a prevalent thing and like you said it it can be regardless of if you're a catholic protestant um i think one of the things that i can speak to for myself is just me being honest with myself and understanding that Yes, I was a victim in a lot of ways of, of trauma, but I was also, I perpetuated harm as well. So I think if we can be really honest with ourselves, we being those of us who were, oh my goodness, I'm losing my voice. Those of us who were sort of raised in this belief system, or at least spent a lot of time in these belief systems, if we can see not only how that harm was done to us, but how we're perpetuating it as well, if we can correct those sort of So one of the things um, that I really noticed after the fact, not during, but one of the things that caused a lot of harm is um, just the white supremacy that's going on in, in, in white evangelicalism and how all of this was happening when I was in the church and I didn't even see it because of my own privilege. So I think if we can see how a lot of these belief systems were so harmful to black people, indigenous people, people of color. That way, when we move forward into spirituality or into other, wherever we go, 
we hopefully won't take that stuff with us and we'll, I mean, you, you can't know what you don't know. So I think the best we can do is learn, um, understand, learn from others and move forward and then call it out where we see it. Um, because I think as white people, as people of privilege, um, it's really important to, to see who out there um, in the vulnerable, more vulnerable populations, um, you know, who is not being spoken for. Um, not that they need us to speak for them, but like in primarily white environments like the white evangelical church, um, it's just really important to, to see where, um, where there's just blatant racism or, and homophobia as well. That's huge. Um, and yeah, and a lot of that, I, I didn't see, like that was mostly evangelicalism. I didn't see as much of that in spirituality, but I think another sort of harmful concept that is shared by, that can be shared by both is that like our bodies don't matter. Whereas somebody who is born into a white body like that gives you privilege inherently. So for example, if we're appropriating, like I've heard people again, in like these Facebook groups say like, I had a past life as an indigenous person. So I'm, you know, burning sage and, you know, I guess wearing like tribal outfits and things. And it's like, you're blatantly appropriating from another culture using the excuse that you had a past life as an indigenous shaman or something. But in this life, you were born into a white body. So you need to deal with that. <laughs> and, you know, and I think what that looks like just from my own experience and my own um, making my own mistakes is to look for people who are willing to share their culture with you um, and to give credit where credit is due. Um, like appropriation, I think is huge uh, in spirituality, if I'm being honest. So. That was a long rambling answer to your question. I don't even know if I answered your question. No, that's okay. That's okay. So I think just, yeah, like the harm basically, I think the best way we can really heal is to, to try not bring all of that with us into wherever else we go from religion, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, like appropriation through uh, specifically using past lives to say that, you know, I'm connected to, to this. So like I can... I can technically like people claiming that they can wear like those tribal colors as an indigenous person because they've, they've been connected to it or whatever. Mm. Like how, how often, Oh, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going to go with this. Um, <laughs> I had a question and then I got talking and I lost it. Um, like, so by appropriation, do you see that there's like other things um, that people do in spirituality uh just through appropriation? Like, I know you mentioned the past lives, but do you see anything else? Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, um, yoga, for example, what I just learned recently, it was used, um, I believe it was a Hindi tradition that was that basically the Hindi people were um, forced by the colonizers to stop practicing. So they had to practice yoga, yoga in secret for I don't know how many years. I don't really, I'm not 100% familiar with the with the history there, how long ago that was or for how long that happened. But like that was a, a really meaningful spiritual um, modality for these folks. And they were, um, they were punished and condemned for using it. And now here we are 
you know, with our white people yoga and like not really giving that a thought. And like, I didn't know that really either. I knew it was another culture that originated from another culture, but I didn't understand the, like the history, you know, behind it. And um, same with sage, burning sage. That was something that, you know, indigenous cultures had for years that the colonizers would try and um, immediately shut down and punish them for. And so then the indigenous people would use that sort of in secret and then be punished for it. And here we are, I mean, I did it too. I loved my sage, <laughs> you know, just burn a sage and, and pale a santo. Um, and also using those modalities, not knowing where they come from physically, like apparently there's a lot of sage and pale santo that's um, being used. That's not, it was not ethically obtained. So I think to be more mindful of the sort of modalities that we use and where they came from and who had to who has suffered in the past to use those very mentalities that um, we can just use whenever we want today. I think that's important too. Absolutely. And, you know, in some ways, uh, I find modern spirituality is very commercialized. Um, I, I honestly, I don't like to even say that I'm spiritual because it, I just, I think it, it, it has a bad rep. It's become commercialized and people sell like, honestly, they're selling uh, these old traditions that come from many different cultures as, as their own practice. And mm -hmm. in, in some way that is kind of what the church had done, right? Like oh, yeah. that's what religious was or re religion in some way was, is taking other people's beliefs and forming it into their own and saying, you don't believe that you have to believe this. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with kind of like this Hollywood spirituality where people people look at these gurus to tell them what to do mm -hmm. and they give them these really basic things and people cling to them. Like one of my friends was telling me about this person who does readings for somebody and she, you know, she channels them in and, you know, there is science to that and, and it's real but she charges like i think it's like four or five thousand dollars per reading and like you know what i mean and i and i feel that sometimes people are taking advantage of those who are who are hurt and they have trauma and they're looking for a way to heal and these people are being monopolized by these mm. gurus you know what i mean oh yeah yeah the charlatans exist in spirituality and in evangelicalism as well those mega mega church pastors have millions of dollars you, you can usually tell by them wearing converse converse sneakers running around on a stage with smoke machines <laughs> like it happens <laughs> that's another that was going to be another thing i would say too is um that that's the whole guru kind of mindset is very prevalent in both um evangelicalism and in spirituality um so yeah, no, it's, it's super harmful. And I think it, that can be a slippery slope too, because people start when they're doing readings and things, sometimes they don't, they won't charge much at all because they have like maybe self-confidence issues, but then it becomes like, know your worth. Oh, all of a sudden I'm $5,000 an hour. Like it's, and then you're taking advantage of everyone. So yeah, I think, and that kind of also for me goes back to deferring to others. Like I need to go to this person so they can tell me what I should do as opposed to, 
you know, what do I really feel is right to do? Or what, what do I truly want to do? I'm going to pay someone else, you know, to tell me. And I know that we do that with like counselors and, and psychologists. And there's, of course, people who are worth their salt that we need to consult with to help us. Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But I just think it can be tricky, right? Because all of a sudden, this person knows better, right? Yeah. And I think, yeah, exactly. Because there's there's a there's a place for everything and i mean mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways like counseling and therapy can be very expensive and i understand that it i understand that the person that's you know listening to all the all that stuff they're taking on all of this person's baggage right mm-hmm. and they're trying to help this person work through it so i i understand that it's expensive but it's also oh, yeah. not you know it it's it can be uh, inaccessible to a lot of people, which, you know, is a completely different story. Mm. Um, but I think that the problem is so many people are obsessed with going back again to having somebody else show them what they need to do. And, and I'm like, I'm a big believer in, in doing what makes you uncomfortable, like, uh, in a positive way. Like if you want to do something, but you're afraid to do it, then, you know, just try not to think about it and just kind of step forward and do it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my, like, but if something is like red flags, don't do this. It, this makes me uncomfortable. Like, yeah, uh, don't do it. But Mm -hmm. I think so many people are so afraid to, to kind of, you know, just follow what they want to do and instead just refer back to other people. Like, how is this person going to help me? And how is this person going to help me? And we don't, we, we kind of diminish ourselves in a way. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was one of my biggest complaints. Well, I have, I had so many complaints, about evangelicalism, I can't even rank them, but one of my (laughs) biggest beefs is I grew up not really having a sense of self because evangelicalism just divides you from yourself. And literally there's a Bible verse that says your heart is deceitful. So excuse me. They, um, use these like out of context kind of Bible verses to guide you away from yourself. And that's why I called my podcast back to us is because for me, the journey was really about finding, you know, who I am. And actually I shouldn't have even had the word back in there. Cause I think I didn't know who I was to begin with. Cause I was raised in this tradition. So it was like, I was growing up despite these things. Um, so, so yeah, I think spirituality can do um, similar things as well. Um, and it's funny cause they talk about like, there's a lot of talk about oneness and you and being united, um, with everyone else, which, and that could be good too, but we can really lose who we are in that. Um, and yeah, I really saw some similarities between, you know, the church and, and spirituality with just kind of fracturing us from ourselves almost. Now you mentioned that, you know, you, you have a lot of beefs with the church. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what did you find was, was the hardest part? Like I'm, if you, if this is uncomfortable for you to share, you don't have to share, but um, like what, in what part did you have the most difficulty dealing with when you were oh, looking boy. back at all your trauma? <laughs> oh, I got a whole show about it. I don't mind talking about it. <laughs> I really don't. Cause I think it's important. And I know it's not like my, it's not like I have a super hot take on it or anything. Like it's, it's really, there's lots of people that are now coming forward and talking about it, but I think it's important and it bears repeating. And I think anyone that feels that they want to share really absolutely should, because it can help people who are stuck in that belief system too. But, um, 
it's hard to pick one thing really. Um, but I think the, one of the more harmful things, if I'm looking back on it as a young kid, and this is put into perspective for me now, expecting my own child thinking like, how am I going to make sure that they feel the freedom to pursue what they want to pursue and not to feel guilt and shame? I think the guilt and shame was very, very difficult and just not having the freedom like not even really knowing that freedom was a possibility for me to choose to follow any path I wanted. It was always, I guess it's like kind of like Plato in the cave, that allegory. I don't know if you're familiar with that, like the, the shadow puppets in the cave. Um, I'm not personally, no, but. Oh, that sucks because I'm going to be terrible at retelling it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. My liberal arts degree, we studied um, Plato, but basically the gist of it was um, he, he tells this story about um, I'm going to butcher it, but folks in a cave looking at some, some shadows on the wall thinking, oh, cool. Look at all these shadows. These are awesome. And then somebody finally, and they've got like blinders on, so they can't see around them and they don't see that the shadows, like there's, there's something creating the shadows. The shadows are not really the reality. It's kind of like a matrixy thing. Well, the matrix would be obviously after that, but anyway, um, so then somebody gets their blinders off and then they realize, oh my God, there's so much more than just these shadows. Like, look at all, you know, there's a whole world out here. We've been stuck in this cave. And, and that's kind of, um, it was funny because when I went off to university, I was warned because I didn't go to a Bible college. They're like, be careful in your philosophy class. <laughs> you know, It'll make you question things. So, and thank God or source or whoever you want to put in that blank that I did, because I think it helped me chip away at some things. But um, yeah, no, it just, there, there, there was a whole other world out there that I had no idea about. And I think that's when I'm looking back on my own past, that's one of the things I'm saltiest about. Not to mention just their completely harmful notions about the LGBTQ community, um, oftentimes black people, people of color, uh, women. They've got some real sketchy ideas about women um, and the victim blaming, the abuse, there's a lot. But if I'm sort of thinking about the things that specifically, I think, have impacted me in a negative way, um, yeah, that's kind of what I would say. I can imagine that. I can imagine that that would not be the easiest thing to deal with. And where, where along the line did you kind of realize that? You know, you were you saw spirituality as kind of your your escape that you were using it to kind of mask all the trauma that you had with the church? Well, I was sort of interested in spirituality, even while I was in the church. Like I was really, I thought astrology was really cool, uh, but I wasn't allowed to go anywhere near it. Um, I thought crystals were cool. Like it was all the stuff that I was really, really curious about, but never allowed to, to really, um, to really look at in any capacity at all till I sort of left the church and I got really interested in, in tarot, tarot cards, oracle cards, that kind of a thing. So for me, I think I saw all of those things and it can be like spirituality. I don't want to like, don't get me wrong. I think it can be a really beautiful thing. It can be used. Um, it can be used in a very healing way as long as we're healthy about it. Um, but for me, I think I saw all of it as like, yes, this is all the stuff I couldn't do when I was, you know, growing up. And, and now I don't need to believe in going to hell or anything. So I can just, I can do what I want to do. So I kind of explored all of that. And, um, 
But I realized when I was exploring that stuff, I hadn't gone through any of the trauma I'd been through. I had not really tried to even find out who I was. I sort of chased after things that I enjoyed, like acting, um, like the film and TV. And I can tell you the film and TV industry, also super harmful and a lot of uh, parallels with the church as well. Like anything can be a cult really if it's if it's got you know similar harmful ideologies and guru mentalities and things like that so that that's a, like a whole other podcast but I realized I had been like entering these other communities with all my baggage and hadn't actually taken any time to sort of look at that and to heal and to really learn who I am as a person before I enter any type of community or belief system or anything like that if that and, makes sense yeah absolutely and like I'm sure you know we all know healing sucks like it's not fun to mm, deal with no. your stuff right like having to go back and like relive the things that caused you pain like it's it's not fun so no. why would you choose to go back and try to deal with this instead of just keep chasing like things that you know maybe you thought were fun and just keep going that way instead of going back and dealing with everything because it never felt it never felt right and then what's really not fun is realizing how you yourself have done harm so it's not only about like how have I what have I experienced but it's like how have I hurt other people and I realized I was a part of the system that was super duper homophobic for no reason. I mean, they have reasons, but whatever, they're stupid. <laughs> like, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna say that I'm gonna make people upset, but I don't care. Um, so I, I think I was looking back, I kept like meticulous journals from back then. And I was like, all my journal entries that I was writing about like how my friends were unsaved. And, and I think I had written, written some stuff about like gay people, which like was so stupid because I didn't even know anyone in the LGBTQ community at that point. I had never even met anyone. And it's really easy to dehumanize a group of people when you don't even know them. All I knew was what I was told by the church. And I just wanted to throw that journal out the window or burn it. That was like my first instinct was like, nope, that wasn't me. I wasn't, I wasn't that person, but I was like 15 or something. Like I was, you know, I was so young not to make excuses, but, um, I just realized like, I have to take accountability for all this stuff that I was a part of, even though I was young and I have to look, take a hard look at myself. And so I can do better because you, people can change. And I really, I think if I can change anyone else who's been a part of these harmful systems can change as well. So um, I just realized that it was, it was important and um, yeah anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that is a big, a big thing because everyone, a lot of time people look at trauma and they see, you know, how they've been victimized and which, you know, I understand that, you know, you go through stuff and, and you are part of you, you get harmed in some ways, but I think people, a lot of, I think a lot of people leave out the, the, the aspect of being for lack of a better word, a predator in that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they're, they don't realize that they've also done damage. Like I remember when I was, I, I actually did a podcast about, or one of my episodes about this. And I, I had so much anger inside me from stuff that had gone on um, th through my childhood that 
I had I hadn't de- dealt with it yet, and I remember this one of my one of the girlfriends I had in high school broke up with me, and it was messy, and I was so mad, and I was like so mean to her, and I was justifying it because I was like, I'm not. I'm, I'm the one that's hurt. So I'm, I'm allowed Mm. to be like this. You know what I mean? Like I'm hurt. I'm acting this way. This it's their fault. It's not my fault. And looking back at that, like was, that was kind of the first time that I was like, Oh geez, like, you know, I, I don't like this. I'm, I need to deal with some stuff. And I found that, you know, kind of working through that actually allowed me to be in a more happy and creative space where like, you know, I could, I could do some stuff. So I'm wondering how have you found that what your what has your healing allowed you to do? Like how, how is it like, how has it inspired you to do different things? Well, I'm, I'm not done yet by any means. <laughs> I have a ways to go. I think a lot of this has just been me realizing how much I don't know and learning from other people and staying I wish there was another word for humble. I feel like that's not a good enough word for what I'm trying to say, but really staying um, just in a receptive space to learn from others and to learn from people who are in more vulnerable positions than I am. Um, So I haven't really, it's not like, I don't think we're ready for a before and after photo just yet because I'm still, and I don't have all the answers. Like I see these things that are harmful in, in spirituality and in Christianity and just in life. And I don't know how to fix those things, but I know, you know, I know what wasn't working and I know the best we can do is to be accountable and move forward and to learn from others. And that's just what I'm continuing to do. Um, I can say, I'm really thankful that I've had these realizations before bringing a a kid into the world so that when, when they're here, um, they'll get less of my baggage. (laughs) So I think that that's really important. Um, But it has allowed me to pursue the podcast that I I started because when I started it, even I had sort of an idea of where I wanted to go with it. But, but now I've become more focused on sharing other people's stories and it's become less about just being salty at the church and more about like, how can we get people's stories out there and um, how can we make things better for other people? who are, who are stuck, you know, in the, in those systems or stuck in their own healing process. Um, again, I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> no, that's great. And, and you even mentioned that, uh, you know, like bringing new life into the world, it's good to like have these realizations before that. How do you think that's going to impact the way that, you know, you, you parent? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I was talking to, my cousin-in-law, she's been on my last couple of episodes and she has a really cool story because she actually grew up in a missionary home has lived in several different countries and she's got two kids of her own. So we were talking about parenting and like how there's so many things that we know that we don't want to take into our parenting journey, but also talking about like, what if our kids want to go to youth group? What are we going to do? (laughs) Like, We have to let them, we we don't want it to be like this forbidden thing that like, oh, they're not allowed to go to church. And then of course, that's what they're going to want to do. But I think it's not putting my own trauma child is going to be really something that's going to be at the forefront of my mind, because as much as I want to protect them, I don't want to allow what happened to me to make their life, you know, an unpleasant, (laughs) an unpleasant experience for them. So uh, yeah, that was something that she and I were talking about, though, is like how 
like the parenting journey looks after coming out of a belief system like that. It's just like learning as you go. Absolutely. And I think in some way, that'll also be nice to be able to have something that, although it'll be stressful, like that's something that brings you like, you know, like into a space of love and joy when, when you're trying to work through, you know, some of your, some of your stuff. Cause then it allows you to actually kind of set up a wall and take a break and be like, okay, I, as much as I've, I need to work on myself and I've done some work, I, I can focus on this and just kind of step away from it from a, for a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we can hear my dog. I think somebody just, <laughs> he's been very, very protective lately of anybody even driving by the house. So he's being very loud. All good. You know, I, th- I think people are really going to appreciate the perspective that you've brought to us today. And if I'm being honest, like I, I never thought about spirituality in this way. And, and it's definitely a conversation that we, we need to be having because, you know, it, it can affect so many of us. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and being so honest with both myself and all of the listeners. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah, it was. So that pretty much wraps up today's episode. If you want to hear more about Carolyn's story and her experiences, you can find her show back to us on Spotify or by searching Unsaved Productions. Um, A World of You has a bunch of new features, including a community platform and a blog. So be sure to check those out. And if there's anything I'm forgetting, uh, you're going to have to forgive me because like I said, it's been a little while. So uh, yeah. And remember everybody, be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Thank you.